Welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It's episode 144. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by the most cheerful man himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. I mean, I've got to say, on a beautiful, sunny spring day such as today, it's hard not to be cheerful, despite not having a lot of control over our situations and all that sort of thing at the moment. It helps when there's a bit of sunshine, doesn't it? Oh, uh, sunshine solves all manner of problems, uh, Mark. And I'm wondering, do you have some sunshine for us? Today's show, number 144, Mike, is all about sunshine. And we're digging into the work, particularly the advice and practical tips from none other than John Cleese and his book, Creativity, A Short and Cheerful Guide. What an amazing title of a book, Mike. <laughs> so perfectly English. Let's let's be honest, Mark. It is that classic <laughs> British humor, isn't it? It is, it is. And look, John Cleese is a character and an individual who defined a lot of my upbringing, Mike, um, and I'm sure he did for yourself. But for those who may not be as familiar with his work as you and I are, I think it's safe to say that he's a bit of a bit of a legend, a bit of a powerhouse in the creativity space, Mike. Oh my gosh. Creator of Monty Python, Faulty Towers, uh, the, the movie Fish Called Wanda. He has several doctorates. Oh, and by the way, he's won an Emmy. He's won BAFTAs. Um, I mean, oh, he wrote a book too. I mean, are you feeling a little inadequate, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, and also Mike, he's been in James Bond. He was in Harry Potter. He's in the Shrek films. So he's done everything from voiceovers Jeez. to comedian acting and authors, uh, screenwriter. I mean, blimey, he's done a lot of good stuff. He has, and, and, and I can tell you that he truly is a wonderfully creative soul. And um, I think what's so exciting for our listeners today is we're going to unpack his masterclass that's inside his book. And it's all going to be about creativity. And he packages his advice so well, doesn't he, Mark? I mean, today we are literally just, he has just such a beautiful set of advice, which is the perfect, it's like a playbook, really. If you want to bring creativity at home, at work, and to everything in between, I think John Cleese's book has it all, doesn't it? Yeah, he really breaks down the concept of creativity. Remember, he's a man who has literally lived his life and his career around creating new characters, uh, whether they're funny or dramatic. He has created so much uh, in his in his lifetime, and to have quite a precise, practical, almost logistical approach to creativity, coming from a man who is quite. Uh, dare I say it, uh, legendary, as we said, you know, he's almost one of the, one of the great ones to have these little tips and advice to unlock your own creative process. I feel as though that's a really valuable wave, Mike, for you and I to end this current series on creativity. We heard from Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, we went into Elizabeth Gilbert and now to bookend it with John Cleese and the skills that he has and how you and I and our listeners can go out and achieve them as well. It feels like a perfect little package. It really, really does. So um, I think we should just dive straight in there. And the first clip that we have from John Cleese and his book, Creativity, A Short and Cheerful Guide, um, 
is all about the concept of creativity. So let's start our journey with the master of creativity, John Cleese. You know, when uh, video arts asked me if I'd like to talk about creativity, I said, no problem, no problem. Because telling people how to be creative is easy. It's only being it that's difficult. And I knew it would be particularly easy for me because I spent the last 25 years watching how various creative people produce their stuff and being fascinated to see if I could figure out what makes folk, including me, more creative. What is more, a couple of years ago, I got very excited because a friend of mine who runs the psychology department at Sussex University, Brian Bates, showed me some research on creativity done at Berkeley in the 70s by a brilliant psychologist called Donald McKinnon, which seemed to confirm in the most impressively scientific way all the vague observations and intuitions that I'd had over the years. Creativity is not a talent. It is not a talent. It is a way of operating. You see, when I say a way of operating, what I mean is this. Creativity is not an ability that you either have or do not have. It is, for example, and this may surprise you, absolutely unrelated to IQ. Because to sum up something I sometimes take three hours to say, all creativity comes from the unconscious. If creativity came from logic and intelligence, then all the logical, intelligent people could do it. <laughs> but they can't. It all boils down to getting in a playful and relaxed frame of mind. Most of it's to do with relaxation, because unless you're relaxed, you can't hear the promptings from the unconscious. You know, nobody ever had a bright idea when they were attacking a machine gun nest. <laughs> You see what I mean? If you're occupied with activity, and that's one of the reasons why there's so little creativity at the moment, is that nobody gets any peace anymore. Because these damn things are ringing all the time and beep there, and you, know, you, you sit down, there's another uh, email coming. It's absolutely poisonous because interruptions and anxiety will kill any kind of creativity. So you have to get in an atmosphere where you're a little bit, you've got a little cocoon of your own. You close your door or you go and sit in the park and you just stay quiet. And for the 20 minutes, nothing happens because you can only think of the things you ought to be doing. You know, people you've forgotten to telephone. So you have to have a little notebook and you write those down. Then after 20 minutes, the mind starts to calm down just as it does in meditation. It's almost identical process. And then when you start thinking about the subject, not too hard. You don't want to get tense. You just kind of play with the thought and you get little ideas start popping up. But if your mind is full of, mm, mm, you know, you'll never hear those little ideas. It'll be drowned out. Do you see what I mean? Mike, what a great kickoff to the show on creativity to hear from John Cleese, quite specific, you know, behaviors, methods that he's experienced from his career and what he's observed from those around him. I mean, I'm excited to, to really break into those, but, but there's a lot of information in that. <laughs> I was about to say, Matt, that could have been like a whole show, right? 
Right there. We've done this a couple of times where we've led with these clips that are just epic, like outpouring of wisdom. And you're like, your mind's boggling catching all these ideas um, that are inside of that. I I think it's really important to start with, I think, the big icebreaker there that he said it's not a talent, is it? It's not a talent. It doesn't have anything to do with IQ. It's a way of operating. And I think that this is quite a uh, uh, dare I say, Mike, a, a reassuring call out because I think there have been times, uh, even in my career where I'll be thinking, oh, well, I'm, I'm not really, um, a designer or an author, writer, whatever it might be. I'm not the funniest guy, so I won't have a go, you know, exactly. I'll leave it to the, the people who have that skill naturally. I'll leave it to the person who's the child of someone who's really intelligent. And by doing so, I'm kind of removing myself from the opportunity to kind of give it a go. And I think where Cleese is kicking us off straight Mm. off to the races is saying, well, anybody can do it if you've got the right mind frame and you you can get yourself into that way of operating. Yeah, it's it's like... James Clear, the author of Atomic Habits, would just be nodding in violent agreement with John Cleese, like build the habit. It's a way of operating and, and we just have to be much more deliberate about it. it, it it's a very, um, it's a great reminder and it's a bit disarming because it pays off a little bit to what Elizabeth Gilbert said in the previous show, which was, hey, We've all got creativity inside of us. We've all got a unique take on something. What John's doing is like, well, just get all the disruptions out of the way. Let that 20 minutes settle down. And if you follow the rest of this show, you're going to find out actually how to get it done, won't you, Mark? Yeah, that's right. And and to use your word, Mike, it's deliberate. You know, yes. he's really calling out the fact that creativity is a deliberate thing. If you give yourself the permission and you really force your way into thinking about it from a deliberate perspective, build those practices and habits, you can go out and achieve those, which I'm so excited true. to get into. Yeah. Now, before we go diving into all this advice from John Cleese, I think we've been a little creative. We've been pottering away, haven't we, Mike? We should definitely announce something new for all of our listeners. For our listeners who are out there dialing in and listening in every single week, we have a brand new exciting announcement. You can now become a subscriber to the Master Series via Apple Podcast, Mike. Woohoo! Bring out the trumpets, the champagne. Uh, so this is a big extension of what we've done with Patreon, where you can become a member. For those of you, and we know a vast majority of you love listening to the show in app, usually Spotify, usually Apple Podcasts. Well, we have now published our master series, which is our second podcast, where you can subscribe to it, where you can actually get these very deep master classes. So it's a very different format in some respects to this show, the Moonshots podcast, because on this show, we focus on an individual in the master series. But just because, Mark, we've just done so many shows, haven't we? I mean, what is what are we up to now? 144 today with John Cleese, Mike. There you go. There you go. So it's about time that we build this master series where we take a theme like motivation, uh, teamwork, or first principles, and we gather together all the world's best thinkers in 90 minutes, lots of practical uh, worksheets and guides as well that come along with this so that you can 
essentially in 90 minutes, you get like the ultimate rocket launch into a topic that will help you be the very best version of yourself. So if you love your Apple iPhone and it's a little partner in crime, the Apple podcasting app, jump in there and search for the Moonshots Master Series. Uh, you will find that you can subscribe uh, to the Master Series. We've got a couple of episodes up, Mark. Mark, we've got motivation and first principles. Motivation is how to motivate yourself. Uh, first principles, how to think better. And should we should we spill the beans on the next episode, what it's going to be for the Master Series? Yeah, I'm very excited, Mike, because it's going to be something that is going to be really handy for myself as well as our listeners to dive into. It's all about leadership and teamwork. I can't wait to dig into those. Yeah, and I think um, part of that show will include one of our all-time favourites, Patrick Lencioni. Uh, do you remember his show, Mark? Wasn't that a powerhouse? Yeah, Patrick Lencioni and Teamwork. It was an incredibly popular series, actually, Mike. We had a lot of listeners dialing in for Patrick. And his work is just very, very accessible as well, isn't it? Oh, that's that, that five dysfunctions uh, of, of a team, huge. Absolutely huge, huge for me. Um, I, I return to that regularly. I'm recommending it regularly. And that's going to be the cornerstone of the teamwork series, which will be out next week. I think Mark, won't it? That's right. Next week in September, those subscribers to the Moonshots Master Series will access not one, not two, but three episodes off the bat. Pretty damn good stuff. So to wrap up, subscribe, Apple Podcast app, head over for the Moonshots Master Series. You will be transformed by that experience. But let us now transform ourselves on this show in this very moment with a whole lot of creativity and play from none other than Mr. John Cleese. Let's listen to him now. And it would only be appropriate that we're going to listen to him talking about how to build a tortoise enclosure. So what I'm saying is that if you get into the right mood then your mode of thinking will become much more creative. But if you're racing around all day, ticking things off on lists, looking at your watch, making phone calls, and generally just keeping all the balls in the air, you are not going to have any creative ideas. So now I want to run very quickly over how in this sort of frenzied world that we all live in, how you can create a mood that will enable you to be more creative. And basically, the way I put it is that you need to create a tortoise enclosure so that your little tortoise mind can, it's a little nervous creature, just look around and then think, yes, it's safe to come out. And to do this, you have to create a kind of oasis in your life in the middle of the stressed, oh, I've got to do this, I've forgotten to do that, I have to be there by 11. In the middle of all of that, you have to create an oasis, a tortoise enclosure where your tortoise mind can come out to play. And there's two things you have to do. You have to create boundaries of space and you have to create boundaries of time. 
It's as simple as that. So boundaries of space simply means you create boundaries to avoid the interruptions that I was talking about earlier, which is so disastrous to the creative process. So, if you're a fat cat at the top of an organization, you say to your lovely assistant, please, I am now going to think, do not um, interrupt me unless the building is burning down for an hour and a quarter. And if you're at the bottom of the hierarchy, maybe you just go out into the park with an umbrella if you're in Belgium. And you just sit there quietly where you are not going to be interrupted, but you create boundaries of space. So what you have to do when you've created boundaries of space where you're not going to be interrupted is you have to give yourself a starting time and a finish time. Because when you do that, you've created an oasis that is separate from ordinary life, and then, and only then, can you play. Wow, Mike, this is quite a big hack. You know, it's a big tip, isn't it? It's a big bit of advice that we may have discussed previously, but not in such a vibrant, eloquent way as John Cleese calling out oasis. You know, I quite like the idea of my creative unconscious mind being a little bit like a turtle or a tortoise, uh, being a little bit shy, being scared off by the sound of ringing telephones or vibrating notifications, creating that space deliberately in order to encourage it to come out and, and, and play, as John says, I think is, is a quite a new take on, on this idea, isn't it? It certainly is. And what's also fun about it is just to kind of connect it to something a bit different is Cal Newport, deep work. I mean, yeah. you change the, the theme, but the practice itself, very, very, very similar, right? Yeah, very, very similar. The idea of giving something your undivided attention, whether it's recording a podcast, whether it's writing a book or a scene or a screenplay, anything, whatever it might be, giving yourself that ability to, to do your deep work is, is what John's calling out here again. Yeah. And so let's, let's now get into this, Mark. How do we, what are our, uh, I mean, how do we do this? Because John Cleese, he in the previous clip is like, like we're also busy spinning the plates, doing the calls, clicking off our checklist. By the way, I totally identified with that behavior. I was like, that's so my everyday for me. Oh, it's so, <laughs> so me. <laughs> yeah. right? um, and then, and then now he's saying, go out and build this tortoise uh, enclosure, go in and ring fence, much like Cal Newport would say, go and, and find that time where you should do your deep work. Where do we start on this? And, and I wonder why we don't do enough of this because I'm going to raise my hand and say, I don't do enough of this kind of ring fencing, this sort of creative time. Um, I feel like I'm forever, you know, landing jumbo jets, you know, like one big thing after another, which is, which, you know, in part I love, but I wonder why don't we make this time? Do, do you think it's because we don't, we don't see the importance of, of, allocating time for creative uh, thinking? Like what, what's going on there? I, I think the limitation that we all have 
and it's it's one that I that I share as well, and it's one that I've seen in in um, customers and and colleagues as well. I think we don't give ourselves enough permission to have that time for deep work because we're so obsessed with uh, putting out that fire mm. or landing that jumbo jet. And I believe the the mindset to do that to follow the fires and put them out is because we then think, okay, once I land this jumbo jet, I'll have time to do the deep work. So there's almost an illusion going on where you think if you put out the next fire, you'll unlock time. But actually, in fact, the whole process of a tortoise enclosure and deep work is to know that these things are all going on at the same time and just to be at peace with them and be very deliberate and say, okay, well, that jumbo jet is still going, that fire is still burning, but I need to fight this one first. And if I yeah. get this one out of the way, then I can move on to the next one and be quite systematic by going through and, and working on them. Okay. So if you were going to plan an hour of really creative time of play, uh, of investigation, curiosity, uh, open thinking. Okay. Let's kind of try and apply some of, uh, let's try and learn how we, we would do it. Where would you start on, on this, Matt? I, <laughs> I quite like, well, first of all, it, I find it quite hard. Mm. I find it quite difficult to, to do that because my brain shifts into the, the, the to-doist, the to-do list of, right, I've, I've got to get this out, the deadline's this, or so-and-so is expecting it. And that's pretty distracting. And that can get in my way and trip me up. So what I find quite handy, and actually it's quite similar to what John Cleese was saying in that clip, is give yourself enough time to slow down. Mm. So yes, you might um, have had your coffee. You might be checking your emails. You might be looking at your calendar. Close all of those. Allow yourself to almost calm down a little bit. John Cleese calls out 20 minutes where you'll, you'll be thinking, oh, I'm meant to be here at 11. Oh, I've got to call so-and-so back. Allow yourself to kind of decompress and once you do, and once you've got those anxieties, or once I've got those anxieties out of my way, then I can actually begin giving something a bit more of an undivided attention because otherwise my attention is still on the thing that I was thinking about earlier, which then means that my effectiveness of thinking about this new opportunity or, or challenge or whatever it might be is mm -hmm. diminished because half my brain power is still thinking about something else. That's right. So I think it, it's, um, I think part of it is, you know, John Cleese mentioned like when you're at the park, make sure you have a notepad to write down your ideas. I think this has been a huge theme of the show, this idea of writing and, and journaling. I think in part, if you want to create truly open time and space, you have to clear your head and find the ritual for clearing your head. To me, it's about at the start of the day, um, having my rituals to determine how I want to spend my day, um, clearing my head in the morning. So I quite like breath work and meditation in the morning to better prepare me for the day. And sometimes if I've had a very hectic day, I will do those same practices in the evening to mm. cool down the jets because mm. what I notice 
is what affects my creativity is that there are ideas still in the subconscious processing. I need to kind of almost purge them, get them out of the system and let things die down. Then I can really go think and be creative. If I haven't got that out, it just keeps coming back into your mind, doesn't it? Yeah, it it does. And I I quite like this idea of the purge. So if you, um, I I think the same of the purging comes with your to-do list. So sometimes I'll start my day by thinking, oh yeah, so I need to get so-and-so to be working on this thing, or I need to finish um, or or raise a point to so-and-so. Until I've done that, it'll be playing on my mind. So actually sometimes the way that I can create that space in my day is to, to very quickly do it, similar to what Elizabeth Gilbert was saying to us in last week's show, Mike, which is just get it done, mm. complete something, um, get it done, and then you, you're able to unlock that extra bandwidth in your brain. You're kind of purging any of the used brain power because you're fo- it's focusing on something else. And whether it's scribbling it down in a notepad or on your phone, that's that way for me to create that little bit of space around me in order to actually think about the thing that I really want to focus on, the real problem or opportunity that I might have. Yeah. It's, it's, I think the great battle that we have to put this in context, creativity is fighting against busy schedules, lots of notifications and, um, you know, this, um, the division between the office and home have, have very much blurred. And I think the reason that both you and I, Mark, and all of our listeners love when someone like John Cleese kind of breaks it down like this, it gives you a little uh, plan of attack to building creativity into your day. I'm absolutely sure all of our listeners want to bring more creativity into their day. And this is so important and you can't leave it to chance, can you, Mark? You can't leave it to chance. So this next clip is touching on uh, an idea, a, a frame, a mindset that our previous two clips have touched upon, Mike. And this is John Cleese now telling us how you and I and our listeners can get ourselves into a state of play. If you are going to be creative, you have to be in a state of play. Do you see what I mean? If you're a child, it's easy to play because the parents are minding the shop. As you get older, you have more and more responsibilities and more and more phone calls coming in. So the only way you can play is if you can create a space for yourself where you're freed temporarily from interruptions and responsibilities. And you can just sit there uninterruptedly for about an hour and a quarter, an hour and a half. First of all, you can only think of the things you you should be doing but that settles after a time like meditation and then you just get a little quieter and you just play with ideas in an enjoyable way not cuddling your brain but just and you play and you can't play if you're being careful yeah being careful you have to be kind of free and liberated uh, don't you yeah you do i mean what he's really calling out uh, quite explicitly now is to enter what John Cleese calls play, mm. and that's his his safe space. You know, once you've got into your tortoise enclosure, <laughs> try and try and behave a little bit like a, like a, like a child. You know, he's he's really calling out, and I think this is true, Mike. I remember 
when I was a kid, I might be running around. Uh, summer holidays always felt as though they lasted forever. And I think one of the reason was because I didn't have a lot of responsibilities or concerns to really worry about. So there I, therefore I was uh, more free to kind of focus on the moment, enjoy myself and, and think up new ways of, of physically playing. And I think where John Cleese is taking us uh, here, as well as in his book, Creativity, A Short and Cheerful Guide, is to free yourself from those responsibilities in order to enable you to, you know, really focus on, on that particular problem. So once you've made that space, that time, got yourself into what he calls this kind of childlike mm -hmm. play space, you can then go out and unlock that level of thinking and that way of being more creative. It's fascinating that we're spending so much time looking at the work of John Cleese to, to see how he frames the need for setting up an environment in order to be creative. The conditions, the environment, the time, the space, how you want to kind of set your mind, how you want to free yourself of burdens or other thoughts. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's, it's almost analogous to great sportsmen that it's all about training if you want to be great on the field. It's the prep before the big moment, right? Yeah. And, and I think to a um, perhaps a, a slightly lesser extent, but I think Elizabeth Gilbert in, in Big Magic, she kind of refers to uh, the act of creation, whether it's a successful book or, or not that experience of actually going through the process is kind of like training. You're right. Kind of like a sports person going out and, and practicing the act of creating, whether it's successful straight away or not, you are training yourself, your mindset to maybe get into a level of focus or flow as Mihai mm. would say a lot mm. quicker, or maybe it's a little bit easier. Maybe it doesn't take as long next time. Maybe it's a little bit more achievable to, be more creative on the second time round. Yeah, and and it's it, the the parallels that this has to so much of the work of uh, the Habit series, and I keep going back to James Clear and Atomic Habits. Like we cannot, in a battle for our attention and our creativity, we cannot leave a creative moment to chance. We have to be so deliberate about finding creativity in ourselves, creating time and space for that to happen. But it is, it's just like what we've been learning in so many other facets that we have to work on the process as well as being in the process. You have to be the player, the coach and the manager all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's uh, as I say it, I'm like, wow, that sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? It sounds like a lot of work. You're right. Trying to cover all of those different, different bases. And I think it really does um, become that little bit easier if you can remove all of those other, to continue your metaphor, Mike, if you've got to be the player and the manager, at least by getting yourself into uh, a tortoise enclosure, you're not worrying about the press. You're not worrying mm. about the fans. You mm. can just do your particular job, which might be football or creating, whatever it is. And, and that's where I, where I quite like what John Cleese is, is developing for us here today with this concept and this interpretation of creativity and how to do it by removing 
those distractions by, as Cal Newport would say, enabling yourself to do the deep work, to uh, minimize your digital aspects, to time block and begin and finish at a certain period, mm. I think is, is a way to almost make it more achievable. I think similar to what we were learning from Mihai and Elizabeth, creativity is quite um, intimidating unless you can bring it down into something more manageable. And I think Cleese is very good at demonstrating throughout his career a way of um, creating those boundaries to make it achievable, to put an end date on it so mm. that you can go out and, and be that best version of your creative self. And Mark, let me tell you, there are some other people who've been making time for creativity, hasn't there? There's been some amazing... Um, feedback and engagement with our listeners. It always blows me away that we have listeners all around the world now. Mark, I mean, you've got the charts. Hit us with our portfolio of exotic and amazing places where we've had lots of new listeners join us. Yeah, I'm very excited to to uh, add to my bucket list, Mike, the following countries so that you and I, maybe we'll do a moonshots tour one day and go and see our fans in Anguilla, Uganda, Costa Rica, Bulgaria. We're covering so many different continents in this particular tour, Mike. And we're so pleased to welcome all these listeners from literally every corner of the globe. Every week, we seem to be expanding the moonshots message and uh, bringing in people from different parts of the globe. I mean, I'm just so excited to, to learn where all these countries are and go and eventually maybe visit them one day. Yeah. Yeah. So Anguilla is a British overseas territory. Um, so it's a, um, an island in the Caribbean. So, I mean, Mark, I think we better put that one at the top of the list. I mean, just type into Google Anguilla and, and look at the photos of these, epic beaches. And I, I could see us doing a live broadcast from that beach. What do you I, reckon? I, I can imagine you and I, we've got a yacht. We've got the Moonshots yacht. We're recording in oh, the hull, yeah, relaxing yeah. on the beach in the afternoon, learning from our favorite innovators and Moonshot thinkers. It's, it's a dream come true. Wonderful stuff. And Mark, listen, if our listeners are dead curious on to find out more about the podcast, about the master series, if they want to get into our backlog, uh, track down a transcription of any of our shows, where do they go? Listeners, you can pop along to moonshots.io where you can find out quite a lot of information on every single show that we've done. We have deep links, we have show outlines, we have clips where you can go and view some of these individuals talking on YouTube. You can check out our transcripts. You can check out our upcoming shows. And Mike, you and I, we just seem to be adding more and more moonshotters and innovators to our long list. So listeners, be warned. There's a lot of impressive individuals coming down the pipeline and down your headphones in the near future. We have a huge breadth of individuals that we'll be covering. Yes, our work is never done. And um, a great place for us to start the next part of this show is about getting into these habits. We've set the time. We've set the space for our creativity, a la John Cleese and his advice. But now... I think it could be time to actually consummate the act of creativity. So let's have a listen now to Mr. John Cleese talking about the best way to success with your creativity. I think if any young 
writer, someone who wants to become a writer or a performer is listening, then what I would say is it is so difficult at the beginning, particularly as a writer, to do good written comedy that I suggest at the start that you steal or borrow or, as the artists would say, are influenced by anything that you think that is really good and really funny and which appeals to you. And if you study that and try to reproduce it in some way, then it'll have your own stamp on it. But you have a chance of getting off the ground with something like that. But if you sit down one day, never having written before with a pencil, or a computer, but I write with a pencil, and you say, right, I'm going to write something completely new and original and very funny, you can't do it. It's like trying to fly a plane without having any lessons, you know? You've got to start somewhere, and the best way to start is by copying something that is really good. But people seem to think I was advocating stealing in general. No. No, once you've got off the ground, you'll develop your own style. You don't need to steal. Better if you don't. But at the beginning, as I say, find something. And a wonderful lesson, my friend William Goldman, wonderful screenwriter, and I both teach the same thing. We discovered independently, and that is we say to someone, find an actor or a scene that you absolutely love and just watch that actor in a movie, say, or watch that scene again and again and again so that it no longer has a, an emotional impact on you. You no, no longer find it dramatic or funny. You just watch it, and in a sense, Emotionally speaking, you're bored with it. At that point, when you're not affected emotionally anymore, you can begin to see how it's done and how it's constructed. So that's the advice I would give at the beginning. Model yourself on someone you really like. I, I, I like this a lot, Mike, because, again, similar to what we were finding out um, with Elizabeth and, and what we were just touching upon uh, at the end of the previous clip was the approachability and the um, the way in to creativity that we can all do. Again, I think it's very difficult for somebody who's just starting out. Uh, John Cleese is obviously referring to uh, writers, but I think this would be true for uh, design, for um, business development and so on, to find a way of breaking down that initial door to your own mindset and finding a way to uh, make it a little bit less intimidating for yourself in his way. Maybe it's emulating or, or copying to just build those foundations so you can go out and become and make it your own in the long run, I think is a really, really handy recommendation, isn't it? For, for us to at least create that first step in mm. creating something brand new. Yeah, and, and look, you think about it when you're a kid playing sport on the street, you're emulating your favourite sports players. When you're a musician as a young kid learning music, whose song do you want to play? Your favourite band. I mean, this is the natural way of doing it, isn't it? It's, it you're totally right. That's a great build. You're beginning by breaking down those barriers uh, because you're emulating somebody that you admire. I mean, fundamentally, Mike, I think a lot of the – tips and lessons that we're learning on the Moonshot show is because we are respecting the individual and we want to learn something from them. This is us trying to emulate to a certain degree the way that they've had success, the way that they've gone up against resilience and adversity and the way that they are building 
their way of, of being more creative. This is our way of, of putting pen to paper or pencil to paper and going out and creating mm. something that's brand new in the long run. Yeah. And then once you master the, you know, recreation of someone else's work, then I think it's very natural that you want to put your own unique point of view on it. You will remember that Elizabeth Gilbert said like everybody has a unique point of view because it's your point of view. So I find that really compelling path, right? Steal your way to success and then, you know, make it truly your own with your own thoughts, ideas, your own take, your own flavor. I think that's a really, a really practical stepping stone from like you've made the time and space, start with something that you love and build from there. But what's really crazy is that John Cleese, Mark, he has another idea, which is again, something that's come up a lot on the show, doesn't he? Yeah. This next clip is very consistent with some of the other advice that we learned from other moonshotters, but I'm not going to give it away. Listeners, I'm going to let John Cleese himself tell us and recommending us to let our ideas bake. The next extraordinary experience I had is I wrote a script and I like this script very, very much. And because I've always been a bit disorganized, I lost it and I couldn't find it anywhere. And I was pretty disappointed, but I sat down and I forced myself to rewrite it from memory. And it didn't take terribly long, and then I found the original. And fortunately, I was curious enough to compare the two. And what I discovered was the one that I had rewritten from memory was noticeably better than the original that I'd lost. And I realized that the explanation for this was that after I'd finished writing the original, my unconscious part of my mind, my unconscious, must have continued working on it, even though I was not aware that that was what was happening, with the result that when I came to write it out again, it was better. Because why else would it have been better? Particularly as I wrote it out the second time much faster. So I began to see that there was something going on, that there was a part of my mind that was helping me be much more creative. You know, I relate to this so much, Mark. I have like a strong body of evidence that if I work on something and let it bake, as John Cleese would have us do, it does. It's so true. It gets better. And the amount of times where I've rushed work out and distributed, published it, and then reflected on it sometime after and looked at it and gone, oh, I could have done that so much better. Mm. Uh, so I've had painful experiences uh, like this. How do you find this idea of letting your ideas bake, Mark? Well, it's very consistent with some of the advice I got when I was, a, I think, a teenager. When faced with uh, an exam paper, not that you and I, Mike, we probably haven't taken an exam for a few years. So let me try and paint a picture in our minds. You're sitting down at a desk, you're surrounded by your, 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 your friends, and this big intimidating piece of paper lands on your desk and you've got a pen and you've got to figure out what the hell this maths problem means. The recommendation to me was before you even pick up the pen, read every single question because then your unconscious mind which has spent the last year or so 
developing uh, these synapses, these memories of certain mathematical problems or whatever it is. Maybe it's an English exam and you've read a book. It's going to start working in the background. And I think as I got older, I started to really fully appreciate that that was in fact how my brain worked. Because the longer I enabled myself to think about a problem, to think about uh, an opportunity perhaps, the mm. better the ultimate result was going to be because I'd had time to uh, percolate on it. And maybe I'm not sitting there actively working on the problem all hours a day, but similar to what you and I have spoken about, writing um, a first thought on a piece of paper, maybe you've um, put it into a journal. That's, mm. that's a way that I mm. uh, personally, going back to an idea that you were discussing earlier today, uh, purging yourself before you're uh, relaxing, you're getting all of those different thoughts out of your brain and onto paper. If you then revisit some of those things that you've written down, new ideas come up or the idea that you've written down actually feels a lot more strong because your brain has a time to, uh, I guess, like a good cheese, <laughs> you know, kind of mature, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I, yeah. Because I think also too, there's, there's, there's the two stages of creativity. There's the initial step of just getting the idea out. And then it's only when you see the idea out that you're able to go, ah, that's yeah, or, or that's what I meant, or that's not quite what I meant. Or as you process through it, you actually have start to have new insights on top of the original idea. And if you take a strong kind of editor's kind of stance in the second step, you can not only improve it, but you can actually make it more concise and simpler which is actually the sign of you really truly getting something. When we make them uh, ideas too complex, it's often that we don't actually have the idea. We over-explain it because we're not really sure what we're doing. Um, so I love this idea of giving things time. And, and the great cheat here is write your outline a week before anything is due, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and you're totally right. Get the idea out there then you've got an opportunity to review and to, I guess, judge whatever that product is. Uh, and also you can seek feedback, can't you? You can get feedback from your colleagues or, or even customers, I suppose, and therefore make that idea that little bit better just by committing it yeah. into paper and getting it out of your brain is yeah. a way of, of bringing it to life. Interesting thing is that I have never been in the position where I've rushed something out and said, that's perfect. And never have I got something out with, um, with zero feedback from other people and said, geez, I, I got it all done on myself. And what yeah. I mean by that is sometimes people will comment on something and you'll go, oh, geez, that was actually a good idea. I should have, I should have had that. Mm. <laughs> and and uh, so my point here is every time I share an idea, every time I give it time to bake, I see better results. And, and I, so I deeply relate to this and I encourage every single one of our listeners, the simple practice of write the outline a week before it's due and share that thing like crazy, create some accountability to feedback and just, just be open to the feedback because it's a shortcut, right? When I share something with you, Mark, and you're like, mm, or maybe how about this? Actually, sometimes it doesn't even matter what the people are actually saying, it's forcing you to rethink it. And sometimes that will expose a weakness in your work or an area to improve. Or maybe you were like, 
you know what? That still feels really good, that bit. I'm really, you know, like that's the beauty of taking time and collaboration into the creative process, isn't it? Something that I've found, I'll write, at, I'll write down an idea or, or a, uh, a potential flow or a narrative for something, Mike, and in the act of presenting it to somebody else, the act of maybe saying it out loud or workshopping it, I'll, I'll almost think of a, an improvement on the fly. Oh yeah, you know you, you'll be explaining it, and then and then I'll think, oh, actually, hang on, no, that doesn't make sense. Let me just change it here live. And the act of that live collaboration, where my my mind's had that time to sort of prepare, it's now reviewing <laughs> it again with somebody else. I think that's that really helps me actually try and improve some of my ideas. Yeah, abs- absolutely. The um, the deliberateness uh, of uh, improving your creative output, like you just talked about reading it back out loud is a classic editor's trick, isn't it? Another one that you taught me was read from the bottom up. Yeah, I I do really like doing that actually, because it then helps you, you know, um, and here's my theory, Mike, your, your brain will always skip a few characters or a few words in advance Mm -hmm. in an effort to perhaps cover more ground more quickly. If you then are deliberate, again, I'm going to use your word here. If you're deliberate and begin at the end and almost work backwards, you will not allow your unconscious mind to try and skip ahead. Right. So you're very deliberate and focused on going back through those, those elements or, or that work. And I think that that's definitely helped me a lot. And that's probably, again, a, a tip that I have started to appreciate as I get more, mm. I guess, experience um, and have more opportunities to practice that particular tool over as I get older. Mm, mm. Well, very much in a similar vein, John Cleese has one last piece of uh, wisdom for us, doesn't he, Mike? He does. Closing out today's show, show 144, John Cleese and his book on creativity, A Short and Cheerful Guide, is all about delaying decision-making until the very last minute. You talk in the book about waiting until the last minute to make a decision. That sounds a little frustrating, like you're being indecisive, but you say that helps with creativity. How? Well, I'll tell you exactly why, because when you have to make a decision is a real world decision. You might have to make a decision by two o'clock this afternoon. You might have to make a decision uh, in October. But the point is, when you know when the decision has to be made, that's when you make the decision. Why make it before? First of all, because you might get new information. Well, everybody knows that. But more importantly, you will have more time to get better ideas. So people who act very, very quickly and take decisions before they need, it's out of an embarrassment that they might look indecisive. Well, it's a lot better to be decisive at the right time with better thoughts and better information than to rush the decision before you really had a chance to see if you can come up with a better decision. Delay, delay. It's like all these ideas, Mark, about creativity. What's slightly concerning to me is they seem so counter the modern way of working. I think the modern way of working, and actually, Mike, I'd I'd build that and say it almost feels counter to my assumption about creativity itself, which feels very ad hoc. Creativity from a comedy perspective, at least, with John Cleese, 
I'd assume everything is kind of off the cuff and a little bit unpredictable. But it's very deliberate, isn't it? It's actually very, very deliberate. And again, in that last clip, um, going back to the point that you were just making, I think we are, and I'm, I'm very guilty of this. I try to make a decision fairly quickly so that I can go and get on with my day. So I can go and work on something else. So if I've got a, a long to-do list, I've got to land that jumbo jet or I've got many fires to put out, I will try my best to tick each one off the list in a, a fair speed so I can get on to the next. But as John Cleese is calling out here, you're probably doing a disservice to the, the problem at hand because you are potentially rushing your decision yes. making. Yes, yes, yes. And it and it's... it's um it's so interesting that creativity is not a talent, but it's like a, sort of like a mental model. It's achieved through deliberate practice, not sort of random ad hoc, you know, struck by a wonder of creativity. And it's, it's all about slow, pause, space, openness. It's not about a hundred miles an hour. It's, it's fascinating. The, the insights that we've been able to to draw from John Cleese's work, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I've again, I fall into the trap of thinking I'm productive by being really busy, but the truth is that's that's not true, is it? You know, I think you get almost addicted to doing lots and lots of stuff, and in doing so, you're limiting your ability to think. You're yeah. creating much less space for you to go and and do your best work. And I think what John Cleese has really called out to me today is make sure to give yourself enough space, enough moments, uh, deliberate moments to have time to think properly Yeah. rather than falling into the trap of just saying, oh, I've only got 20 minutes. I'll do it quickly now. Yeah. Totally, totally. So Mark, I mean, what we do is we find ourselves being quite challenged by John Cleese. I thought this was just going to be hilarity and, you know, faulty towers, but it (laughs) turns out it's been quite challenging to how we perceive creativity, hasn't it? Well, he's very, very deliberate and, and practical with his recommendations, actually. You know, when we review the work that he, and the tips that he's really telling us to go and emulate today, it, it begins with um, the output. So we know that he's a, a fantastic comedy um, writer and actor. But the truth is to get to that point, we can all follow the same tips that he does. Yeah, that's and, true. And this, this idea, Mike, for me of allowing myself the permission to get into what John Cleese calls the state of play and really enjoy that moment and therefore create something that is true to perhaps the ambition that I originally had, that feels like a huge new takeout for me. What do you think? Yeah, I can, I can totally understand that that's a a takeout for me. I think I'm most guilty of not setting a deliberate time for, for creativity. Like I feel like I'm guilty of always being on a bit of a pressure cooker mm. with my creativity. Like it's like do or die. There, there's there's no space to think different or to consider to let it bake. I'm just like on the Mike Parsons freight train, and I better I, I better ship this by the end of the day. You know? Yeah, yeah. I can I can probably see why 
you you might fall into that. I mean, mm. it, but it, it's a, it's a real challenge for anybody who is um, in such a position. You've got so much going on. The natural um, assumption would be right, take it off, move on. Mm. But G, John Cleese is very um, specific to this. Make yourself have enough time and carve out enough moments to to really think about the opportunity or the problem early and then maybe come back to it. I, I loved yeah. his story about losing the, 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 um, the scene, rewriting it and realizing it was better because he'd had the opportunity to come back to it. Yeah, that, that was perfect, wasn't it? Perfect. Well, Mark, it, it sounds like um, you are hurtling towards a new chapter of creativity. What's going to change for you the most, do you think, as a result of this show? I, th- I think it is very um, orientated. I think where I'm going to go today after we wrap and I get into my, my to-do list, I think it's really building on that tortoise enclosure and thinking of my unconscious, you know, creative problem-solving mind as, as a bit of a, a shy creature and I need to give it enough space to not be intimidated by buzzing phones and emails <laughs> hurling in. Yes. <laughs> what freedom, to, freedom to create. Freedom to create. Yeah. 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 I'm much the same. Um, I need to just uh, uh, create a little bit more of that, that tortoiseau as well. So crazy that we've been so challenged by John Cleese. Uh, when we just expected frivolity and craziness, but it's turned out to be that and so much more. So thank you to you, Mark. And thank you to you, our listeners. It has been great to have you on our journey into creativity with John Cleese. And I really am so delighted to be learning out loud with you, our moonshotters, as we all go on that journey to be the best version of ourselves. And today we learned that we can all be creative. It's not a God-given talent. It's a way of operating. And John Cleese in his book, Creativity, a short and very, very cheerful look at creativity, told us that we need to go out and to build boundaries around not only space, but time as well. We need to go and take our minds and our full presence into a state of play and as we start that process it's okay steal your way to success mimic those that you love and their work then make it your own build your own point of view into the work and don't rush it let your ideas bake let them simmer away and ferment and get all those creative juices flowing and wait have the resistance to the urgency around you and wait until the right moment at the end to make your final decision on your creative work. Do these things as told by John Cleese and you will not only be creative, you will be on the fast track to realizing the very, very best of what you can be. And that's what we're all about here on the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.